What's up, guys? It's your boy Lance from the Heel Turn Collective, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about our sponsor for the show, the Whole Fast Coffee Company. Whole Fast is based in Colorado Springs, and they are a responsibly sourced coffee that they grind in-house. You heard me right, in-house. And right now, if you use the promo code HEELTURN20, you get 20% off your entire basket today over at wholefastcoffeeco.com. So make sure you're helping out a great small local business and your favorite heels, and check out the Whole Fast Coffee Company. And now, for this week's episode. You are listening to the Heel Turn Collective Radio Network. You cannot counter-program the love, the genuine feeling, the damn revolution that is all elite wrestling! This is One with the Undercard, All Elite Edition. Hello everyone and welcome to the 22nd edition of One with the Undercard, where me and my boy Silky J. Johnson break down AEW Dynamite every single week. And without further ado, let me bring him in, Silky J. Johnson. What's going on, Jay? It's me. It's me. It's your boy, Silky. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Uh, how long How long did it take you to come up with that, Silky? Uh, you know, it just came to me. The best or, ideas uh, sometimes just come to you. Yeah, I mean... But we don't I need to sit argue. here and talk about how I'm a damn genius. We came here to talk about the best. And, of course, oh, we're going to talk about the worst of all elite dy- uh, of this week's all elite wrestling uh, dynamite. Mm. Um, look at uh, truer words never spoken. This will go down. I'll, uh, I'll keep it spoiler free, but this will go down as one of the most polarizing episodes of <laughs> AEW dynamite. And that's to say it with a, you know, that's, that's, a, that's to say it kindly because there's a lot of stuff on this show that uh, when AEW first started and they said, we're going to have a sports-based presentation, this is the kind of show that people point to and they go, you're just trying to be WWE light. I'm not going to get into specifics until we actually jump into the show, but I'm just telling you, this is one of the most polarizing episodes of AEW Dynamite. Jay, do you think that I am speaking out of turn when I say that? Uh, I think you might be surprised at some of my reactions, but uh, I think you may not be surprised about some of them either. Um, okay. but this, was, this, there was, there were some things that happened in this episode that we will eventually cover. Yep. <sighs> and, uh, and, uh, Silky texted me earlier with a very long face and, uh, but we're going to get into all that, but let's start the show off. Let's yeah, start let's the talk show about off. these ratings that you love so much. Absolutely. I am a ratings kind of guy. All right. I'm, I'm the man you go to when you want to talk about ratings because I got them right here in front of me. AEW wins again, 753,000, a .30 in the 18 to 49 demo. The all important one that we keep hearing about every single Allegedly week. important. Yeah, absolutely. And then NXT draws a 644,000, a .16 in the 18 to 49 demo. Again, both numbers, I mean, we talk about it all the time on this show, Jay. We talk about it every single week. These ratings are... It's cool to like kind of like talk about and debate because you're trying to relive those moments of the 90s, but in the long run, these numbers aren't anything that like 
no major network is going, wow, those are great numbers, you know, because for mm-hmm. a live presentation, you know, when you see the NFL getting millions and millions, of, you know, 753,000 might not seem like a lot, but to me, um, AEW consistently beating NXT is something that I think is worth note and something that, uh, you know, it just, there's a lot of AEW that I love, and obviously a lot of other fans do too. And then there's a lot of things that AEW does that are a little, you know, on the fence, you know, and, and like this show. So it's kind of nice to see them keep getting that high rating, don't you think? Yeah. Well, I don't know, man. And people consume media differently uh, in the year 2020 than they did in, you know, 1998. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, so, and they're, they're down a little bit from last week. Um, yeah, but overall it's not bad. I mean, they're consistently beating AEW. I don't even know if it's a competition or excuse me. Yeah. They're, they're consistently beating NXT and I don't even know if it's really a competition at this point. Yeah. We talked about it. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when the Steelers have beaten the Browns for like, I don't know what, like 16 straight games. Mm. Mm, I don't know. I'll save that for the heel turn collective podcast. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, so there's a lot that goes into this, and, and Cody touted it on Twitter a little bit. Um, AEW in the UK, now as much as UK numbers you know, matter or don't matter to you, you know, I, I don't know. But AEW is consistently beating Raw, SmackDown, and NXT in, in the UK. Now, obviously, Tony Khan's got some ties to the UK. He owns the soccer club over there. You know, he does a lot of – and he's talked about – actually basing a, an AEW pay-per-view in England, which I am not a fan of. But um, I think when it comes down to it, I think AEW is one of those brands that the, if they continue on the on the stretch they're going, you know, and I just think it's inevitable before we see Raw and SmackDown get down to these numbers. I just think that's the, the reality of it. Wrestling fandom isn't what it, is, what it was in the 90s, and it'll never be that again. And I think as wrestling fans, we need to understand that. Yes. And AEW is doing their best to put on the best product they can. It's a hit or miss sometimes. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of matches tonight, a lot of surprising things happening on this show. So if AEW is one thing going forward, it's it's you. they always keep you on the edge of your seat when you're trying to figure out what uh, what they're doing as far as the episode. You know, you just never know. And, and tonight – or. Wednesday night was a perfect example of that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, with that, though, we, we kind of get into it. Um, obviously, the announcers on the night, Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, and Excalibur. Um, and right off the bat, we have, a, we, we have a tournament match for the AEW World Title Number 1 Contender Tournament. It's Wardlow, Jungle Boy. Last week, Jay, you picked Jungle Boy to I win this match. I picked Jungle Boy. Yes, you did. I, I I remember it well. Wardlow throws him around a lot in here, but I think the thing to take away from this, Wardlow shows the athleticism. Uh, for somebody who, you know, Jungle Boy's a, a lot smaller than he is, but I think, really, there was a lot of good give and take in this match. Um, he hits Jungle Boy with everything. He hits him with a huge clothesline, you know, a big power bomb. Um, you know, and Wardlow really just exerted himself here in this match. And then towards the end, he hits two of the F10s, I guess he's calling it, uh, one on the outside of the ring and then one on the inside of the ring to pick up the win. So, I mean, as a tournament match, you you thought Jungle Boy would win this match. I thought Wardlow was going to win. It seemed like that I was uh, – but, but I don't think that I was completely right in the sense of it was still a competitive match back and forth. What did you think of this opening match on Dynamite this week? I was pleased with this match. 
Now, I did pick Jungle Boy to win, uh, but Wardlow has not been booked well yet, Mm -hmm. Uh, and that has been a point of frustration for me. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I checked the... uh, I checked. Um, I I checked the time in the show. It took Jungle Boy uh, at eight minutes and forty six seconds, uh, and this is this is including the introduction for Dynamite. So this took. Uh, so we'll say maybe it took like out of, how long was their match? Like eight minutes. Eight minutes. Yeah, it's, I think I clocked it at eight fifteen. So it probably took Jungle Boy five of those eight minutes to get Wardlow off of his feet. Mm-hmm. It's about damn time. Um, Wardlow looked scary in this match, which is something he has not done yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, would you say, all right, would you say this is Wardlow's best booked match so far? Yes, hands down. And for that, it's like, even if you can get something as small as booking a big man right, like, it's a win. Yeah, I see, I thought, I thought Wardlow should have won. And I think it was the right move because now, you're setting up for two semifinal matches. Uh, I won't spoil it, but you're setting up very good semifinal matches where they're yeah. less predictable than Kenny Omega facing Joey Janela and Adam Page facing Cole <laughs> Cabana. You know, a little bit more. Uh, okay, well, this could go either one of two ways. So uh, I thought the match. Uh, look, I-, I think that both these guys, given their you know lack of experience on live TV, I think both of them have grown well. Uh, I'm not as critical with Wardlow as you are, but I think that Wardlow has a lot, a long way to go to be that dominant big man. Um, but but here, I think this is a step in the right direction. Do I think, I think I'm allowed to be critical of Wardlow because they've okay. just booked him so poorly. Okay, well, fair enough, my friend. But uh, is Wardlow going to win the tournament? Probably not. No. But I think this is a but nice first. But it looks it looks a lot more credible when uh, his opponent beats him next week. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, next we are showing last week uh, Eddie Kingston went in the ring. Um, he you know he got on the mic after uh, after the show went off and, and he talked about how Moxley hasn't struggled like he has and uh, you know he hasn't had to fight through the same things that he has. So and it's also announced that it's going to be an I quit match between the two Eddie Kingston and John Moxley at Full Gear. We'll have the breakdown of Full Gear, our prediction show, and the post show that, that we're going to have up, it's going to be really great. But as we get into, you know, we, we've been talking about it the last couple of weeks, Jay, you know, this full gear pay-per-view is coming up and there's not a lot of matches. There's not a lot of matches announced so far. I mean, there's some, but you know, typically AEW goes three and a half, four, four hours on these pay-per-views. You know, there's only a couple of matches announced right now. How do you feel about this? I quit match between Kingston and Moxie for the title though. I have no problem with it being an I quit match. I do have a problem with how quickly it became an I quit match. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you want to mark this down under 50, 50 booking, but I think, um, I think they could have had, and I don't, they don't let John Moxley cut promos in the ring for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a, he's not allowed to thing or if, uh, he does his, uh, best work on the mic, uh, not live, uh, but recorded. But I think if they have the two of them work some sort of angle uh, on the mic or um, in the ring with different people, something, I think that they could slow this down a little bit. And I full gear's coming up quickly. 
Um, but I think they could work this in even on like go home week uh, to make it an I quit match. Honestly, I think, I think AEW just kind of jumps the gun on a lot of things. It, AEW either jumps the gun with stipulation matches or just doesn't talk about it at all. Mm. And there's yeah. no, there's no in between. Yeah. Um, so, so to me, I think it's very, very interesting the way that they, it seems like Eddie Kingston wasn't supposed to be the challenger for full gear. It feels like this is like booking, like on the, on the run a little bit, mm. because to me, like the, the, the buildup to this has been super truncated and weird. I mean, obviously Eddie Kingston, you know, he's been talking a lot of shit the last couple of weeks, you know, and beating up Moxley after the show and things like that. But it just seems like, like to me, like I like Eddie Kingston. I'm firmly in Eddie Kingston's corner. I picked him to win the battle Royal at, at uh, what was it all out. And um, to me, it just Eddie Kingston to me right now doesn't feel like a credible challenger. No. I don't know why I feel like that because I, I think it's because we know there's no chance he actually wins the title. But, like, and, but at the same time, and I've, I've thought about this, they are making it a match that favors Eddie Kingston, if you think about it. But I still think Moxley will pull through. Um, it's the classic trope where um, you play your opponent's game and come out on top. Uh, yeah. You beat him at his game and, and, sells you as an even more credible person, even though I think that John Moxley is on the, uh, on the downhill on the, on the back end of his championship run. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, look, I, as we get into full gear, obviously John Moxley and Eddie Kingston is going to be the marquee match. So I guess we're just going to sit back and see, you know, how they, how they go through the motions and how it ends up being uh, turning out for both of them. It's going to be uh, a bloody mess. And I think there are going to be some times where you feel uncomfortable, but we'll you know see. What? I think you're right. I think there's going to be a lot of color in this match, a lot of, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, but we'll see. Uh, next uh, look, Kenny Omega was supposed to take on Joey Janela. We, we hounded on this last week. We talked about it last week. Look, this bracket had the most predictable matches I've ever, and without <laughs> telling you, Without even watching watching the match, Jay. Which you didn't. I, I didn't. I actually fell asleep and, <laughs> and I missed this entire segment because Joey Janela comes in contact with somebody with COVID. Now, that's good news or bad news depending on if you're a Joey Janela fan or not. I actually, on Twitter, offered him $20 if he beat Kenny Omega. I offered to PayPal him $20. So, um, luckily, I won't have to. Because he came in contact with somebody with COVID. Sonny Kiss is his replacement. Obviously, um, the tag team partner of Joey Janela. Kenny gets this big, elaborate entrance where, you know, Justin Roberts talks about all of his accomplishments in wrestling, which I thought was kind of um, kind of weird. But also, obviously, they're pushing this Kenny Omega, like, heel persona more um, because they there were women with brooms, you know, and, and things like that. So obviously they are alluding to his sweeper gimmick that he did a lot the in Japan. The cleaner, that's what it is, not the sweeper. Excuse me, uh, but uh, he did that a lot in Japan. So he gets his big lab and entrance, and is in, in this tournament match with Sunny Kiss, and he beats him in three seconds. Yeah, no, the it took his intro took longer than the match itself. And what's interesting, if this is supposed to be his heel persona, he so he hits the V trigger on Sunny Kiss, 
and then hits one winged angel. Boom, one, two, three. That's the match. And then he helps uh, uh, Sonny up. He shakes Sonny's hand, and uh, which is not a which is not a heel move. But also, yeah. there were the awkward dancing girls. Can we talk about that? Was that uncomfortable for you? Like, did that did that look like that was hard to watch? Look, we're going to talk a lot about singing and dancing on this show, but uh, <sighs> we're this, not there yet. Was, let's focus yeah. on let's yes, focus on the I, things I that were actual wrestling. I got you. So, um, but, but, but mm. you're right. The women dancers, you know, it was a little uncomfortable, but I think it all plays into the gimmick. I think, you know, the long game, I think we all know where this is going. We alluded to it last week. Um, I think we, we know where this is going. This is going towards um, Kenny Omega against Adam Page in the finals. Can we this talk about the fact that Justin Roberts list of accolades for him went in like most impressive to like least impressive because it started with, it's like Justin Roberts was like racking his brain for things that Kenny Omega has done. And he starts mm-hmm. with a triple A championship uh, that he holds. And then all the way down to one time he wrestled in North Carolina. Mm. Yeah. Silky J Johnson. Uh, he is the champion of the heel turn radio collective uh, network is the top accolade. And then the bottom accolade is like, he's friends with Lance from yeah, one with the I mean, undercard. I mean, like that's look when you're the number one show, the number one AEW <laughs> show out there, you know, it's all about the money, baby. You know what I'm saying? So, um, look, I think that I think in the long run, um, this Kenny Omega thing's going to make sense. At least I hope, because now they're talking oh. about him getting a renewed push. So we'll see how it ends up. Um, Orange Cassidy's backstage. Obviously he's going to challenge Cody for the TNT title at uh full gear. Um, no, he's challenging him next week. Oh shit. Is it next week? It's next week. Well, then Which... who's, who's Cody wrestling at full gear? It's Darby know. Allen. It's Darby Allen. It is Darby Allen. I, I forgot about that. Okay. And I don't know North how Cassidy. I feel. Honestly, I don't know how I feel about the T- the TV title being defended on a pay-per-view. Because if it's if it's a TV title, you want it defended on television. You want it to be uh, a a title for people who are uh, who are watching you weekly instead of uh, on your quarterly pay-per-view. I don't think that ought to be changing hands on a pay-per-view. You heard it here first. Okay, well. Um, Cody pulls up in a limo. He starts talking uh, about he's not surprised Orange Cassidy wants a rematch. Uh, he agreed to it quickly. You know, that's fine. He wants to be uh, a fighting champion, obviously, so he'll take on – he'll defend the title twice uh, in the next couple of weeks, you know, against Orange Cassidy next week, against Darby Allen and Full Gear. I'm sure he'll have another match on the go-home show. Um, but, yeah, it just seems like uh, – Cody here, and he ends the promo talking about how tonight he's just the EVP. He's not a wrestler, and he gets to watch from afar. So here, more more good character building from Cody. Uh, I think that he's probably the best thing AEW's got going right now. Um, I think he was very uh, missed in his absence, and I think here uh, it really showed that like he's willing to put a lot of these young guys over, which I think is a good thing, you know. Yeah. Um. So. I, are you excited about the next uh, week and a half or so of these of these TNT title matches? Uh, I like to watch Cody work. I think mm-hmm. that Cody is I think Cody is very good at what he does. 
Uh, I think he's bringing people uh, along with him for the ride. Like people have their best matches in the company with Cody. Mm. Okay. Um, but to, to go back to orange Cassidy for a second, uh, I, I want to talk about his work on the microphone. Mm. It you feels know, like, whatever. uh, you know, in like, uh, like, uh, football, for example, when you're, when you're catching, when you're catching a, a football, uh, you have guys that'll drop a pass, uh, and it's because they're trying to run before they have even caught the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is what Orange Cassidy does on the mic. He's like ready to finish his sentence before he even speaks. He's like ready to move on to his next point before the words have even come out of his mouth. Hmm. It's it just feels rushed. It feels um, he just he feels uncomfortable. He sounds uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean like that's I, he's not used to talking on. He's not used to talking especially not to a national audience. And I think it's got him rattled. You know, I, I hate to agree with you, Jay. I do on this show. We are meant to be divisive and just, you know, never agree with each other, but, but damn it. You're right. I'm right there with you. Tony Tony Khan. I know you're listening. Orange Cassidy is, is your pet project. I get that. I want to get behind that. Give him six months off. Send him to wrestling school. Mm-hmm. Teach him what he needs to do, and then he can come back, and he can be the ass beater that we all want him to be. But he's just not at the level of right now. You heard it here first, Tony. Heard it here first, Tony Khan, longtime listener uh, to one with the undercard here. Um, next, we have Eddie Kingston. He's kind of talking backstage. He says before he gets to Moxley, his boys Penta and Phoenix are going to go out there. And they're going to really show what it's all about. And then, which obviously is the prelude for the tournament match between brothers. It is Penta El Zero M taking on his, his brother Ray Phoenix. And, and right off the top, Jay, before we even talk about this match, this is the kind of match that AEW needs to focus on more yes. than anything else. More than anything else. This match was everything that I love about Lucha Libre wrestling. This is everything. Yeah. I think these two went out there. They they obviously, obviously, they shake hands before the match. They're brothers. You know, that's what they do. Um, there were moves in this match I've never seen before. Um, there were moves in this match that were so crisp, so clean. It just looked – the one match that – the one match that really or the one move that really took me by surprise was towards the end. Uh, Phoenix comes off the ropes and, and Penta throws him up and then hits this beautiful power bomb. I mean, just ugh. this match was I, I can't I can't uh, I can't get over this match. I think this match was from beginning to end was just fantastic. What do you think, Jay? I this match came out at 100 miles an hour. Well, not necessarily at 100 miles an hour. There was a slow, uh, it started slow, which was good, ramped its way up to 100 miles an hour, and then kind of slowed back down. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was some good pacing to this match. Yeah, um, and there was. I think it's, uh, it's pretty common for these uh, Lucha Libre style matches to move at 100 miles an hour. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, this was, yeah, this was good. There were no, there were really no botches. Um, 
which can sometimes happen if you're working too fast from what I've observed. Mm -hmm. Um, but there were some really good high spots in this match that didn't feel overly dramatic. Like there are a lot of high spots in AEW that feel like, okay, maybe that was a little much. This was Mm -hmm. just enough. Like the Spanish fly from the top rope. Fabulous spot. Loved that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought the uh, I got to tell you right now, Jay. Uh, if I if I can be completely honest with you, please. Um, there were a lot of moves in this match. A lot of moves in this ma- that match that I loved. That Spanish fly was unbelievable um, from the top rope. Ray Phoenix just hits it. The only thing I don't like about the Spanish fly is it's obviously two guys doing it. Mm-hmm. It's obviously like like that's the one thing about the Spanish fly that I don't like is that it's obviously like a tandem thing. You can't do that. You know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah. you would fall, you know, you'd break your, that's neck, fair. But yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the last, the last five minutes of this match was unbelievable. And the um, finish and, was incredible. Absolutely. That destroyer was. out of nowhere. How many, and you hate that, that you hate the destroyer. I don't hate the destroyer. You, I ha- admit I, that you hate the destroyer. I won't admit it. Okay. I won't admit it because I don't hate the destroyer. I think the destroyer is a fantastic move. I don't like how it's like Just overly that you hate it. I I mildly I mildly dislike the Canadian destroyer. Just admit that you have a crush on Brandy Rhodes. Look, uh I actually sent you a, a picture on Twitter. <laughs> uh, Brandy Rhodes was on dark and she said watch it and I said I will not. I will not be I will not be hypnotized by Brandy Rhodes anymore. I I've, I've went on the record. I think Brandy Rhodes is a great businesswoman. She does wonders for women in the business field, and I think she's fantastic what she does. I don't need to see her in a wrestling ring every week. This isn't about Brandy Rhodes, though. This is about Penta and Phoenix. They go out there, and then at the end, Phoenix does hit a Canadian Destroyer, picks up the win. This had to be the match of the night already. This, this right? was the one that tore the house down. If there, uh, if there was a full-capacity crowd, this would have been the match that tore the house down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, I, I can't have enough praise for this. Four out of five, four and a half out of five, probably for me, uh, if we were on a star system. So, I mean, just fantastic. We don't operate on the star system. This isn't the we Wrestling don't. Observer Radio Network. You got it. Uh, next, uh, we have Colt Cabana and the Dark Order. They they cut a little promo, and then they march their way out to the ring for Colt Cabana to do <sighs> the job to Hangman Adam Page. Um, he didn't do enough of a job. Yeah, this match went and if way. He did, he did a bad job, and I wow. get like Hangman's got to play ball with Colt's goofy shit, but this this I was know. I don't know, man. There was a lot. This, this match was kind of a slop fest. Um, this match was one that I was not super stoked on. Uh, I think both guys can work for the most part. I mean. The way that Colt Cabana was selling, it was the same way that I had a grief. I had grief with how guys were selling. You remember that a couple of months ago mm-hmm. in the archives? I talked about it. If if you sold like, oh, it's QT Marshall. If you sell like that for me on TV, <laughs> you'll never be on TV again. That was the worst selling I've ever seen. This match um, had some moments where Colt Cabana was selling a little weird. I thought it was bizarre, but selling um, on a dark order level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's some nice back and forth here. Uh, Colt hits a nice dive off off the apron. You know, they they kind of Adam Page went for the buckshot Laird. It felt like six times in this match. Three. Uh, yeah. Well, it felt like six. Um, but uh, he 
I mean, he finally hits it at the end to pick up the win. This match went 10 minutes and 45 seconds. Was that too long? For this me? match could have gone five minutes and 15 seconds, and I would have mm. been happy with it. Okay. Okay. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm like, again, I don't I, know. I guess like hangman's got to play ball with Colt Cabana. I guess Colt's got to do his goofy stuff, mm-hmm. but like ah, this yeah, match could have done in half the time and yeah. could have, could have been, you know, sometimes less is more. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there's but not a lot. The right man won. Yes, there's not a lot to talk about here because obviously they're they were pushing towards Adam Page and Kenny Omega. And look, now next week we get Kenny Omega and Ray Phoenix and Adam Page and Wardlow again. Those matches are a little bit less predictable than Kenny Omega and Joey Janela. It's just the yes. way it is, man. I didn't. We, I think we it. both know who's going to the finals. As we yes. talked about this last week, it's going to be Hangman Page and it's going to be Kenny Omega. But I the think finals. these matches are going to be but fantastic. The, they're going to be good matches. I think I think Hangman can get a good match out of Wardlow because Wardlow's green. But I think he can. I think Hangman will be a good opponent for him. That's a similar style where Hangman is a, primarily a striker, and uh, Wardlow is uh, all about the big man moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny so- Omega will have a good matchup with Ray Phoenix. Yeah. Um, while uh, while Omega is far from a luchador, he can still uh, get in some good offense, and and it won't clash too bad with Ray Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, I I I agree with you on that. But uh, look, I mean, th- they got some time to build this up. Obviously, the finals at full gear. So I don't know if we'll get the quarterfinal matches next week or the week after. Um, but. Uh, We'll see as it's coming up because November 7th is right around the corner. So um, next we have uh, Taz, Ricky Starks, or The Rock Light, as we call him here on One with the Undercard, and Brian Cage come out to the ring. They demand a response from Will Hobbs. Um, they challenged him. Uh, they, they told him to, to, to come up and step up and, and face one of them. Um, you know, just – Jay, how did you feel about this segment? To, to me, this comes off as Ricky Stark's best promo. Um, he, it's come off very passion, you know, obviously going after Darby Allen, you know, calling him a two-faced son of a bitch, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I thought this was Ricky Stark's shining moment as a promo. Do you agree with that? This just felt like a little cry. This felt like the crybaby hour. Mm, okay. And, okay. like, not in a good – like, that, like – they're doing the heel. They're doing the heel thing, you know. Oh well, Darby Allen's getting his championship opportunity at uh, at full gear. Where's Where's my championship opportunity? It just mm-hmm. It just sounded enti- It came off as whiny and entitled, which is not where Team Taz is in the heel world. Um. Yeah, like I've listened to middle school kids throw the same tantrum. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of segments we're going to spend time on, and there's a lot of segments we won't spend. This as much is the time beginning on. of the well, really, the match between Hangman and and Colt Cabana was definitely on the downfall of this episode. This episode does this episode does a really nice uh, peaks and valleys type of situation where uh, you start off pretty high with Wardlow and Jungle Boy, it just keeps going up and up and up. 
and you reach the top of the mountain with the uh, with the Penta Phoenix match. That's the that's the peak of the mountain by far, and then everything else, starting with uh, Hangman and and Colt Cabana, just goes downhill. Uh, this promo was not where the downhill started to get real sharp, but uh, right, it does pick on. up its intensity. Yes. Okay. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on that segment because the segment after this is MJF and Chris Jericho. Now I advise you, if you've not seen this segment yet before we even talk about it, go watch it because no matter how we describe it, no matter how we tell you, I hated it. I loved it. It doesn't do it justice. This is by far, I've been watching wrestling I've been watching wrestling for 25 years, Jay. I've been watching wrestling. I've never seen anything like this in my life. Now, with that being said, I'm not as harsh on it as I feel like you're going to be. But I watched this segment, and I just tried to take myself out of it and say, these are two of the best to to be doing it right now. And... Jericho and MJF, it is the the dinner debonair, whatever the hell they called it. Um, they're sitting uh, at the dinner table. They keep ordering. Which is clearly steaks. not a restaurant. Yes. Um, they uh, keep ordering steaks, you know, more and more. It's First it starts well done, then medium well, then medium. You know, you get the picture. Um, they get it down until Jericho says that he wants his steak blue. Um, they start they, – they, First of all, their waitress was named Velma, which I thought was, I don't know how I felt about that, but uh, they they start buttering each other up. They said that, uh, you know, Chris Jericho is one of the best to ever do it. MJF says that. They said next week they're going to have a town hall to see what M- to see what people think about MJF joining the inner circle. Um, MJF says they are two of the biggest stars in wrestling, and, and that is right. I can't disagree with that. Um MJF calls himself the ratings ruler. Jericho says that sucks. Um, you know, and, they, and they, yes. Uh, then they stand up and they have a, a Frank Sinatra like musical number. And when I say Frank Sinatra, I don't mean like, oh, he's playing in the background or, you know, they're in some club or something. No, 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 no. These two started singing to each other. This was straight out of Rodgers and Hammerstein uh, type musical. Like, I don't even know how, I don't, I don't know how to describe this. I, I thought this was, in some aspects, I thought it was genius. In some aspects, I'm like, wow, these Sons of bitches are going out there and doing whatever the hell they want. And that can be a positive or it can be a negative. In this situation, was it my favorite segment of the year? No. And, I, and I'd be lying to tell you that. It's not my favorite segment of the year. Do I think it was the worst segment of the year? No. Do I think it did its job? I do. Jay, what says you about this damn segment? Man, we were promised a sports-based wrestling promotion. We were not promised show choir. 
We were promised sports. And instead we got show choir. Well, look. This was so... I don't want to say that it was bad because art can be subjective, right? Um, Yeah. And far be it for me to yuck someone's yum, uh, even though I do it on the show all the time. I have two thoughts on this. One, it takes a lot of guts to stand up in a wrestling promotion. And first of all, MJF can't actually carry a tune. So I'm not going to bury his, uh, I'm not going to bury his voice. Uh, I will bury the content though. Cause this was, I felt disrespected by this. Oh, this was, this was not wrestling. This, mm. this had nothing to do with wrestling. This was insanely frustrating on some levels. Um, and there was just, no, well but, spoken. But at the I mean, same, well at the spoken. same time, no, no. At the same time, uh, it takes a lot to get out there, and and their choreography uh, was better than the Young Bucks. I will say that I'll praise that. It's better than the Young Bucks choreography. Um, but they had to legit go out and memorize a song and dance. So I will commend them for that. But this is also a freaking show about professional wrestling, uh, not about tap dancing. Mm. Uh, look, I think that, uh, I think the proof is in the pudding. Um, AEW obviously keeps winning these. Now we're going to have to see what the rating is next week. If this affected anything, I don't think it will. I don't think it will. I think it's going to be a very polarizing segment. Though. I think, yeah, be- I think a lot of, I think a majority, I think a wide majority of AEW fans are going to enjoy this. As a matter of fact, I know that your good buddy Greg is going to tweet me via your Twitter and tell me that he thinks that this was the segment of the year when this wasn't the worst segment of the year, but it's top five. Oh, that's harsh criticism, my man. You know what? Before I, I can't take this anymore, man. I am just going to. We're just going to move. You know what? I'm gonna. Right? No, I'm gonna say it. This match was not as bad, or this was not, this segment was not as bad as the street fight we had a few weeks ago with best friends, but it's up there. What a ridiculous take. That street fight was fantastic. Oh my God. I wish you were right. I wish a world where you were right existed. Oh boy. Next, we get Britt Baker taking on Kylan King. Look, I'll tell you straight up Britt Baker wins this match after five minutes. Next. I mean, there's not much more. Britt Baker has been, I swear, man, from the time she was injured cutting these promos to right now, it's got to be the worst booking decisions I've ever seen in a wrestler, ever. Like, this girl, this woman was set to be on fire, and for some reason, I just don't care about her anymore. Mm -hmm. I just don't care. You know, And, and that's the thing, man. Britt Baker has all the makings to be a superstar in wrestling. And for some reason, her booking the last two months have been just just terrible so big thumbs down i mean i don't know what you want me to say about this, this i don't was, mean to be still harsh on this, no this should have been a squash match like her opponent was zero and 11 most of her matches have probably been on dark so like if she's a, if she's enhancement talent it's okay to squash her Jesus, and move on hold on 
Hold on. What a way to announce your jobbers, by the way. By the way, she's 0-12. She's never won a match. In case anyone is forgetting at home, we'll just remind you on the graphic at the bottom of the screen. She hasn't won a match yet. Man, what a, what an unbelievable way to announce your job. This is how we're getting sports-based entertainment. Uh, is, is we're getting uh, we're getting records at the bottom of uh, the screen so far, and and we're getting musical numbers. Yes, pick a lane, AEW. <laughs> pick a lane. Uh, um, we get the 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 Steve. No, 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 no. Hear me out. Hear me out. AEW could do show tunes really well for a musical number. That was fine. Uh, but like pick a pick a lane. It's all. It's wow. all I'll say. Pick a lane. Hold on. So you interrupted me to make do a something, point. Do one thing well. Don't Hold do on. two things half-assed. You interrupted me to make a point, which was the same point you just made previously. To that. And I'll make it again if I have to. Oh, for crying out loud. Anyway, uh, next we get the Steve-O endorsement of Darby Allen. <laughs> Whatever. Darby Allen legitimately just said, Hi, I'm Darby Allen. Welcome to Jackass. Yes. I mean, that's, this is that's the body the- bag drop-in. Yeah. This is really going to be the guy that beats uh, Cody for the TNT title. Next. Uh, Then we get to our main event. It is the four-way to determine the number one contender to FTR. Because we haven't had eight people in the ring at the same time in too long. You're right. Private Party, the Young Bucks, the Butcher and the Blade, and the Dark Order, which, of course, is uh, Reynolds. Hey, who was back out with Butcher and the Blade? Oh, it was Bunny. Yeah. I don't know why. What? What made her defect from the American Nightmare family or whatever the hell they're called this week? I don't know what made her defect, but obviously... Uh, I think it happened on Dark. It was probably QT Marshall. Yeah, it was probably uh, QT was in the ring. No, they showed... I think they showed, like, QT in the ring, and then they bring out uh, Bunny. She's wearing her little masquerade mask, and she pulls it back, and QT's... Ah, I can't believe it! She's been no. the bunny this whole time. I guess I haven't been tuning in to earlier episodes where the Butcher and the Blade were on on air. Give me a break. This is yeah. another uh, intelligence insulting moment, or they're just trying to do storylines from Dark that have no place being on uh, Dynamite. Anyway, let's talk about how okay this main event was. They just haven't, um, they haven't had a good main event in a while. Um. Man, Jay, you, you're really bringing it to negative town, and I don't know how to feel about it because I thought this was one of the better outings. The biggest thing for me in this match, I found out on Twitter today, either Reynolds or Silver, I don't know which one it was, was clearly knocked out in this match. Clearly knocked out, gets drugged to the corner. He's, he's unconscious, and they just keep wrestling around him. I think AEW needs to train their really? dudes on how to communicate with each other and not destroy each other's brains. Um, with that being said, I thought the private party was good in this match. And I thought this was one of the better outings for the young bucks. You might, you might think I'm crazy for saying that, but I feel like this match was less choreographed than most of their other ones. There were super kicks everywhere. Um, you know, there was a lot going on, but at the same time, I do feel like, um, I, I do feel like at the end of the day, um, I don't know. Like, I feel like at the end of the day, this is going to be one of those matches that uh, will always go down as as one of the better Young Buck matches, don't you think, Jay? No. No. Okay. Okay. I, you know how I feel about the Young Bucks. And they've got to weasel their way into the pay-per-view somehow because apparently we can't have 
a goddamn pay-per-view without the Young Bucks on it. Well, uh, well, look, uh, thanks for spoiling the ending. But, yes, the Young Bucks do pick up the victory. Um, They had to. Like, there's no way there's a world where the Young Bucks aren't on the pay-per-view doesn't exist, apparently. Yeah. I've had enough. Okay, fair enough. Um, I do think, uh, again, I think that this is – this wasn't the Young Bucks' worst outing. Obviously, they win with the Meltzer driver at the end. I thought Private Party no, helped they them. No, they, they almost hit the Meltzer driver. They're good oh, buddy, okay. Dave. They almost hit it, oh, uh, and then there's okay. a roll-up. It was a callback That's to right. the match with Private Party. That's right. Um, That's right. But this time, I, uh, I forgot that. Yes, this time uh, Nick Jackson uh, reverses the roll-up and uh, gets the one, two, three, and you know, no one was know, shocked. You know, and Jay, I about the remainder of my hair. I'm not I'm not living up to my nickname as the Wrestling Britannica right now. So um I will gladly you take your title for this week. Okay. Uh but yeah, he does roll him up at the end and, and picks up the victory. Obviously leading towards the Young Bucks and FTR, the match that we've been talking about on this show for months is finally happening at full gear. I'm not gonna talk about predictions right now because we got the prediction show coming up. But this I, I match, just this match look. was so okay that I had to get up from my couch and go get myself a, a cup of coffee from the Hold Fast Coffee Co. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, exactly. The Hold Fast Cut. Thank you for that. However, but, uh, the yeah. end the ending of the episode was fabulous because yeah. what happens? FTR come out to the ring and a mystery man that's clearly Tully Blanchard. Hits, uh, I think it's Matt. I think he hits Matt over the like over the back with a chair. Loved that. Uh, boy, that got a that got a good old pop for me. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, Tully Blanchard. Uh, he can still do it. Obviously, he can still swing a chair. He takes him out, um, and that's how the show ends. You know, Tully Blanchard. The last image you see is FTR and Tully Blanchard. I don't know why standing. they needed to have Tully in a mask. Like, it's not like they're debuting some wrestler. It's not like it's a. It it doesn't need to be this big surprise. Like, it can just be Tully in the ring hitting him in the back with a chair from behind. They don't mm. need to do that. Um, yeah. But I don't but, know, man. I and I I love seeing uh I love seeing Matt Jackson get hit in the back with a chair and then they have uh Nick Jackson's ankle gets shredded from the top rope. The Young Bucks have go home heat with me though. So uh-oh. The old X-Pac heat. So um we'll see if Silky up coming up here is going to pick the Young Bucks to win the tag team titles. Spoiler alert, I don't think he's going to, but We'll see as we get into the predictions. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that ended this week's episode of Dynamite. Uh, FTR did hit the spike pile driver on on uh, Matt. So I think that spike pile driver coming back is really freaking cool. And I thought that, again, I said it at the top of the episode, this will go down as one of the most polarizing episodes of AEW Dynamite. I think me and you kind of fell on opposite ends of it. So uh, that's how it's going to turn out. But I mean, Jay overall though, I mean, what did you think of the show as a whole? This was the, this was a better episode of dynamite. They could have stopped it after the first hour. Uh, They had the wrestling hour and then they had the comedy hour. Loved the wrestling hour. Um, Could have done without the comedy hour. Mm, Okay. Well, uh, love the ending though. We, we peek back up there at the end. Yeah. Um, well, Jay, you felt a little sluggish throughout there. And let me just tell you, you can perk yourself up by going to holdfastcoffeecode.com and using that promo code turn 20 to get 20% off 
off your basket today. They have coffee, they have hats, they have shirts. Go check them out. Vinny's a great guy. Obviously, we name the barista of the week every week. Jay, who who wins this esteemed honor this week? This week's barista of the week is none other than your good friend and mine, mm. Jordan Japan Dukes. Wow, okay. Jordan makes the flight out to Denver, starts working for Holdfast. He, in fact, is the barista of the week. So big shout-out to Jordan. Uh, you'll be getting your $10 gift certificate <laughs> in the mail, my friend. Uh, but make sure you check out the Heel Turn Collective Radio Network on Facebook, on Instagram. We're everywhere. Um, let us know what you think of the shows, what you like, what you don't like. I'm at Collective Heel on Twitter. Jay doesn't have a Twitter because I don't have anything this week. He just doesn't have a Twitter. I don't – look, you should all campaign for Jay to get a Twitter. Um, so hit me up at Collective Heel if you want to talk to either of us because you talk vicariously to Jay through me and my Make sure you check out the sponsor for the show, the Whole Fast Coffee Company, and make sure you check out all the other shows we got every Sunday, Tuesday, and Friday. We'll be here uh, with new content three times a week. So, Jay, all that cleaning up out of the way. you have anything else before we get the hell out of here? Pick a lane, AEW. Uh, hmm. Stay home. Take care of each other. Uh, if you don't stay home, uh, wear your damn mask. We're all in this together. Take care of one another. Uh, go vote. Your opinion doesn't matter, but make it hurt anyway. Have a great week. All right. And, uh, he is Silky J. Johnson, and I am Lance. And until next week, we'll be back. We're, we're full gear into full gear, if you will. So it's uh, all levels up. So until then, we'll see you. We'll see you later. <laughs>